welcome. You deserve it. You really do. I think we should go ahead and give all the mothers a round of applause this morning. I really think they deserve it. For those of you who are trying to put the money in the plate and clap at the same time, I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't think that one through all the way. But anyway, you all still deserve it. Uh, one of the things I'd like to tell you is that I see a lot of faces that uh, either hadn't seen for a while or hadn't seen before. So we'll welcome all of you visitors here this morning. So thankful you are here. Uh, if you would, in the seat in front of you, there's a pen and a connection card. Uh, if you are new here, why don't you fill that out? Uh, we promise we won't hound you. It's not like sign up one time for deals with like JCPenney or Belk or Best Buy or something like that, and you never hear the end of it, you know, guilt you in because you're not buying stuff from them or coming. You know, we don't do that. We just want to send you a little note and say thank you for coming. And, uh, and, and, if, and also there's a place on there for anybody who has prayer requests at the bottom of that card. If you have a prayer request at any time, please fill that in and let us know and drop it in the offering plate or give it to one of us going out or leave it at the connections desk uh, if, if you ever need that. But let me say this too. If you are here this morning and you're with your mother and you live in this area or around and you don't have a home church, nothing would tickle your mother's heart more than you coming back every Sunday. So if, you, if that is you, then please uh, do, do honor your mother and, and your father too, likewise, and, and consider making this a, a, a church home. No guilt, you know, just, just uh, would love to have you a part of this because we really believe here, as well as any Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, that this message in our scriptures that we hold, the Bibles that we bring with us, and, and the scriptures that we preach from every Sunday, we believe that they are life-changing. Of all the messages and everything you can hear in, the world, in, the, in this world, the Bible is the most important message ever told, ever spread, ever shared. We believe this. That's why we gather in the name of Jesus who this scripture is all about. And that's why we're going to open this morning with prayer and ask God to bless this time that we have together that His Word might be made known, that it's not mine, but it's His, that we might be blessed as a result. So let us pray together this morning. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here, giving us this opportunity to gather. We thank you for these mothers, this special day we're celebrating. But Lord, we thank you most of all for you because you gave these mothers to us. Uh, whether they're here with us this morning, whether they're, they're maybe a distance off, or, or maybe they've gone on to be with you, Lord, we are thankful for these mothers nonetheless, uh, Lord, who helped us along our way, who raised us up and, and gave us a start in life. I thank you, Lord, that, that you just give, like these mothers, so many wonderful blessings in our lives, and, and we pray that we'll, we'll never stop appreciating what you've done. But most of all, Lord, that we'll never stop appreciating what you've done through Jesus Christ. So it's in his name to offer this prayer and ask that his presence, your being, fill this time that it might be your words that are heard, not mine. Lord, that Jesus might be proclaimed. It's in his name we pray. Amen. If you would, please open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. If you would like to uh, follow along, of course, opening your Bible is, is great. Uh, we also have it in our bulletin, and it's on the screen for you this morning as well. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 41, and we shall read to the end of the chapter. This is what the Scripture says. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. 
When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Some translations that I had to be about my father's business. Verse 50, but they did not understand what they were saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth, Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in the favor of God and man. Here's a question of brutal honesty. Have you ever lost your kids before? The laughs come from people who have lost their children. Has anybody actually lost their children? Been misplaced? I'm not talking about on purpose. You know, shame on you. Shame on you. I'm just going to go ahead and say that from the start. But every now and again, kids are accidentally lost. And it's not your fault. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know, as a kid who's gotten lost, it's not your fault. It just happens sometimes. There's a lot going on. But even though it's not your fault and you shouldn't lose them on purpose, there are times when kids purposely get lost and there are other times that we don't purposely get lost. I didn't tell a joke at the beginning because I believe now you're going to get to laugh at my expense. Uh, the first story I'd like to tell you is about when I, get, when I got, and every now and again, I don't think I could do this now, but if I could, I would, uh, about getting purposely lost. Remember back when Walmart used to not have the, the square clothes hangers in the middle of the store, you know, all the clothes hung, they have little four sections, you got a pile of shirts here and pile of shirts, pile of shirts, pile of shirts. Back in the day, it used to be round. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you can go to Steinmart and you can still find them. You know, I think they're leftovers. And, and inside of those things, there was nothing. So you had the clothes on the outside, but they were huge, so on the inside, there was plenty of room to go in and hide, to make a fort out of it for yourself. And that's what I like to do. I love to purposely get lost and go inside of those things. And after a few moments, you hear, Cody, Cody, Cody Lee Raider. You know, it gets serious when they add the middle name and the last name. It starts to get a little, a little troublesome. And mom would get close and you could hear her coming out of that thing. And I would reach out when I'd see her come by and I'd grab her by the ankles. Because she knew, she knew where I was. She was searching through all those clothes things. She'd rip them open. And look on the inside of them, and I just reach out and grab her by the leg, scare her, scare her half to death. It happened every time. She got scared every time. It was wonderful. I'm just, I'm not going to lie. Again, if I could do it today, I probably would. So, just because it's so much fun. That's purposely getting lost. Now, on the other hand, there are times when children don't purposely get lost, and it gets kind of scary. Uh, I've been to the West Virginia State Fair probably every year for my entire life. It was up until, you know, into my early 20s now. 
Uh, we went every year as a family, um, not just my, my immediate family, but my grandparents and cousins and uncles and aunts. We all went because it was just a big deal. I mean, rednecks love state fair. I mean, it's just, it's just how it happens. It's, it's wonderful. And amen. And if you haven't been to the West Virginia State Fair, you are missing out. It is great. And uh, I remember walking in. It was kind of a big experience walking in because you park on the other side of the road and there's a, there's a bridge that you walk over. And hundreds of people can be on this bridge at one time. And you walk down off of it and as soon as you come in, there's the Farm Expo on the left and all the rides on the right. It's just an overwhelming experience for, I believe, just about anybody. I still feel young, kiddish. Let me just, I'm still young, but I feel like a kid. An even younger kid. All right, let's just back it on up. When I go there and look at it, because it's just, just so much to take in. Well, one particular day, you know, I was kind of in that, every kid gets in that mood and that phase of life where they're like, I don't want to hold my parents' hand anymore. It's not cool. It's just not something I'm going to do. So I wasn't hanging on to them, and I got lost. You know, we're walking along, and I'm looking at everything, and here's dad and mom one minute, and they're gone next. Just happened. And it happens like that sometimes. But I'll never forget the terror of what it meant that when I got lost enough and realized that they were gone. And the worst part about it was I started panicking. My dad was wearing a red shirt, and I walked up to what looked like dad. To this guy who had a red shirt on, I tugged on it, and I said, Dad, Dad, this guy turned around, and he looked at me. And I realized he wasn't my dad, and he realized I wasn't his son. But the worst part about it is he left me. I mean, I'm full-blown boo-hoo tears crying because I'm lost, and this man left me. And so I'm just standing there, and people are passing all around me crying. I think it was a miracle of God that my dad came back. And uh, I stood between him and mom the whole day and held their hands. I didn't care how not cool it was anymore. I did not want to be lost. I mean, it, it is a terrifying experience for the child when it happens, and I know it is for the parents. And I believe no matter how good a parent you are, your kids are going to get lost from time to time. You are every now and again going to lose track of them. Kids are kids, and kids get lost. They are easy to lose. And I think it really should be considered a rule of nature. Just as much as gravity is a real thing, I think kids getting lost needs to just be applied into that as well. It, it, just, it happens. And it just so happened to Mary and Joseph, the parents of the Son of God. And you thought you felt bad about losing your kid. How in the world do you think Mary and Joseph felt about losing the Son of God? Now the Scripture tells us that every year, Mary and Joseph would travel with Jesus to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. All the Jews of the known world at that time, as many as could make it as possible, would do their best to come to Jerusalem to do two things, to offer sacrifices for the year's sins, to be found right in the sight of God, but also to come back and celebrate God's deliverance of their ancestors from their bondage and slavery in Egypt that culminates in this event and festival called Passover. Now, it was at the original Passover, if you remember from the book of Exodus, where a pure and spotless lamb was sacrificed and its blood was used to cover the lives of those who followed God's Word and were spared from the angel of death passing over their lives unwillingly as they, or excuse me, passing over their lives as they unwillingly failed to heed God's command. So knowing this, how fitting is it to know that the ultimate Passover lamb 
was present for years in Jerusalem while that Passover was taking place. For 33 years, Jesus celebrated Passover, knowing that one day that celebration would find its true fulfillment in Him. That one day He would be the one that people would be celebrating because there is no more sacrifices year after year. There's been one sacrifice once and for all. But this occasion was not that time. Just because that was going to happen eventually, this occasion was not that time. In fact, Jesus was present for Passover as He should have been, but He was MIA, missing in action, on the way home. And as is typical, mom and dad are ready to go, but the kids are not. Remember those days begging for another 15 minutes? Begging for another 30 minutes? Begging for another hour? Just that, mom, dad, let us, we're still having fun. Let us stay, let us enjoy it. No, it's time to go, as is typical, pleading for their self to stay where they are because they're enjoying it too much. But again, this was not the case for Jesus. Instead of pleading with his mom and dad to stay and continue to enjoy himself where he was, he just stayed and said absolutely nothing to him. How does that old saying go? It's better to do and not ask permission and then ask for forgiveness later, it's pretty much what happened. Of course, I don't think he was really thinking about it. I just think like any typical kid, he just decided what he was going to do, didn't really consult anybody, and he just stayed. I don't really think there was anything wrong with that per se, at least not in his mind. He didn't do it for any bad reason. He just stayed because he was having a good time. But the problem is the angst that it put his mother and father into when they realized that he wasn't with them. Now, I'm going to have to give Mary and Joseph a little bit of a hard time for this. It says it was a whole day. That's a long time to lose track of somebody. A day. And I could not begin to imagine how they felt on the inside when they realized that it had been a whole day that Jesus hadn't been with them. I mean, you thought you panicked over your kids being gone for a few minutes. Just imagine panicking over your child being gone for an entire day. I wonder how that conversation started. In fact, it was probably like, hey, Joseph, my feet are getting kind of tired. You know, would you walk over to the other side of the caravan and, and ask if, you know, you know, find out where Jesus is, make sure he's doing all right? And Joseph says, well, I thought you knew where he was. Why are you asking me to go to the other side of the caravan? Because I don't know where he is. And that's where it starts. Fight mode central between husband and wife as they begin to panic. And the only thing that people know how to do is to blame each other when they don't know what the answer is. And just going at it with each other, and you probably know this had to come up. Joseph or Mary wanted you to say, God gave us one thing to do, and that was raise the Son of God, and look how we're doing now. God gave us one task, asked us to do one thing, and, and we, blew, we blew it. You know, it, it's sad, really. I feel bad for them. But um, it really makes for a good story. Um, it makes for a wonderful truth that, that came out of all this. Because after a while, like many of us would do, if we lose something, we start to backtrack, don't we? We start retracing our steps and going back through the places we've already been. In fact, it said, it, you know, we know that it took them a day to at least just get back to Jerusalem after that whole day couldn't find them. 
So then it said it took a total of three days to find him. So they're searching around Jerusalem for two whole days. Again, panic when you realize he's not with you. Even more panic after day one. Even more panic after day two. Even more panic after day three. Eventually, you're starting to wonder, is he gone? Did somebody kidnap him? Did somebody take him? Is he in bondage? I mean, what, what, is, what is taking place with him? And then we find that after searching all over Jerusalem... In our minds, we think the place that they should have looked first was really, it seems like, the place they looked last. And that was in the middle of the temple. And from Mary's perspective, as we see in the passage that we've read, she begins to wonder even, I I believe, when you hear those words, Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. I almost wonder if she even thought to herself, Why did I look there last? Why did I look in the temple last? Because of how Jesus responds to her. He says, why were you searching for me? Don't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And he didn't say that. I don't believe. I don't get any inflection In our English translation, I don't see any inflection in the original language that he was being a smart aleck. We tend to think that sometimes. If I told my mother that I had gotten lost from them going about my father's business, she would smack me because she would say, I know your father's business and I know you weren't doing it. Jesus had no, no ill intentions, no smart aleck attitude when he simply asked her that very thought-provoking question. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house, that I had to be about my father's business? It's a question he asked even more so, not just about him being lost, but about his whole purpose and mission in life. Even at 12 years old, Jesus had already figured out in life what it is he was supposed to do and who it was that he was supposed to serve. But yet again, I look back at at Mary and Joseph and I don't blame them for not understanding where he was and what he was doing. Because in the midst of chaos and calamity, no matter how bad the circumstances are, sometimes we don't see the large picture unfolding, do we? In the midst of chaos and confusion, it's hard to see what's really going on through the midst of our angst and our worry and our chaos. No, it's only when we step back for a moment and take a look at what's really going on like this moment when God spoke. Even though Jesus was a kid, God spoke in the midst of their confusion and reminded them exactly what He was doing. He was doing what the Lord had asked. I just need to ask you mothers, how often are you caught up in the circumstances of your child's life? that sometimes you forget the bigger picture. The bigger picture of who they are in that moment, as well as sometimes the bigger picture of who God is one day calling them to be. Sometimes we get so worried and caught up in what's going on in this world that that we forget that if we're with God, He still sees all of it. 
God was with Jesus and He was with Mary and Joseph, even if they momentarily lost the Son of God, they were still very much in union and communication with one another. God was not going to let anything bad happen to Jesus. He wasn't going to let anything outside of His will happen to Him because they were staying close with one another, even in the midst of momentary confusion. I'd like to ask you again, mothers, if you're with Jesus, you're with the Lord, if you're training your child up like Mary and Joseph undoubtedly were, don't get so caught up in the confusion. Why do we get caught up in the confusion? Nothing is happening that's, that's outside of what God knows is taking place. God has already said that He is working all things for the good of those who love Him, even in midst of moments of confusion. And sometimes, though, it does take stepping back and looking at the big picture, just like Mary, when she uttered those words to Luke. And I believe this is the way it happened. Luke was not around Jesus. He became a Christian after Jesus had already left this world, already ascended back into heaven. And so he had to get his information from somewhere. And if you want to know about Jesus and what he was like when he was a kid, you might as well go to the source. I believe that he talked to Mary. And this is what Mary told him, that I treasured all these little moments in my heart. They might have caused me a little bit of calamity and a little bit of confusion, but I treasured even these things in my heart. Because again, looking at the bigger picture, she was allowed, even in that tense moment, to go back to the angel who came to her so long ago in the account that we read in the first chapter of Luke that says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, the descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel said to her, came to her and said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll call him Jesus, and he will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will have no end. All the while, while Jesus was growing up, while Jesus was becoming a man, I'm sure that she always treasured and remembered this in her heart. And even in this moment of wonderful joy, mothers, do you remember when you found out that you were pregnant? I'm sure that maybe it, it might have startled a few of you, but for most of you, I would say that it was, it, it was filled, even, even after those moments of being startled, still a lot of joy and expectation and, and just eager moments as you're awaiting the birth of your, your precious child. And I'm sure Mary was filled with that. But with Jesus, it came at a cost. Jesus' very birth came at a cost to Mary. Because even though she always remembered what that angel said about the joy of this child being born unto her through her, it was also said that He was going to be the Son of the Most High. And she knew the prophecies and what it said about that Son of the Most High. As it says in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3-7, through seven, As much as He'll be exonerated first, 
He'll be despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each one of us turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Yet he was oppressed and afflicted, but he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. As much as she was expecting the birth of this wonderful son, she also knew that one day this is his destiny. This is who he was supposed to be. This is who God was calling him to be. Yet as Jesus was growing up, she was able to balance her sorrow for what was to come with the greater promise of who he was to be. Mothers, I want to encourage you. You are going to face a little bit of sorrow. You're going to face a little bit of hardship. That's just life. And I'm not a mother, but I can say it because I've been there as a child, and I'm sure we could all agree. We are going to go through things that aren't pleasant. And as hard as it is for us to go through them personally, it's even harder for the ones around us who love us the most to watch us go through it. There's going to be some hardship. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some sorrow. There's going to be some struggling. But God has said that He will keep us through it, just as Mary experienced probably the greatest woman to ever suffer in all the world. She was one of the only ones who full well knew the destiny of her child. She knew what was going to happen and what was going to take place. She didn't know exactly when, but she knew that it would, and she knew that it was going to be bad. She knew that he would suffer, but yet she knew that he was going to be the king of this world when all that suffering was over. And I believe what held her through this and what can hold you women today, you fathers, us families in this world, is that I believe she prayed. I believe she prayed for herself, for strength to help him through, but I believe she also prayed for Jesus that he would reach his full potential, whatever God had for him. She prayed for a continued vision, not to fight what God was doing, but to follow it faithfully. In your life, even though it may seem at times that all hope has been lost, that things get frantic with your kids, moms, I just want to encourage you, please don't lose God's vision for your children. Please do not get disappointed with your child so much that you give up on them. If you believe in God and you are following Him faithfully and you're teaching your children the best you can to follow Him, God will uphold you even through those tense moments. I'm not a mother. I cannot say that with the assurance of experience. I can say it with the assurance of the Word of God. And if you don't believe what I've just said, then you don't believe God's Word. It is in the most important message ever told that God has promised that He will see us through everything. It may be tense, it may take a while, it may be extremely difficult, but God will see us through. We know that even when God doesn't make sense in our world, that His plan does to Him, and that's what really matters. Because when it comes to pass and we step back from the midst of all the chaos and the small picture we've been looking at and see it with the bigger picture in view, see it with God's eyes, 
we say to ourselves and we say to God and hopefully we're saying it to other people, I couldn't imagine it going any other way. Even though there may be sorrow in the night, as the psalmist said, joy will come with the morning. I know for Mary that upon hearing the news of Jesus' conception, I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm certain of it. I believe she prayed. While Jesus was growing up, I'm certain Mary prayed. As Jesus ministered, I am certain she prayed. When Jesus was on the cross and He was dying, I am certain she prayed. And when Jesus rose again to eternal life, I am certain that she prayed. And not just prayers of sorrow, of knowing what was to come, but prayers of rejoicing for what finally had. For 33 years, this woman Mary suffered knowing what was going to happen to her son eventually and never knowing when it was going to take place. For 33 years, there was joy even in the midst of sorrow. She suffered, but yet she rejoiced when God's plan was totally fulfilled. Mothers, I would like to charge you today that you need to pray for your children because it will see you through and it will see them through. If you're an expecting mother, if you're even thinking about being a mother, you need to start praying now. Ask God to cover and bless your children. And maybe in this room you've never prayed for your kids, whether you're a mother or a father. If you've never prayed for your kids, the potential that they could reach in the Lord, you need to start now. God honors faithfulness in the moment. We don't have to go backtrack. God honors faithfulness in the moment. And though a little bit of damage might be done, that doesn't mean that God cannot fix what is broken. Though in our hearts and minds we may think it's gone too far, God can still fix what is broken. There will always be scars, but scars are a sign of healing. God can fix what is broken. It is not too late to start praying And even if your kids are old and they have fallen away, it's not too late to pray that they come back. Because God is in the restoration business. He likes to fix that which is broken. The vision of what Jesus could be on the other side of all the sorrow is what Mary prayed for and what held her out, I'm firmly convinced. If she could not see the vision of the future, if she didn't have God to sustain her, I don't know how she'd have made it. Because I believe there are, in some ways, in our minds, greater people who have dealt with a lot less, struggled a lot more. Mary, the Bible says, was a simple woman, but she had faith. She is great only because she decided to have faith. And your family, even though you may think that you are simple, you are great in God's eyes when you decide to have faith. When you decide to trust that God can take care of the important things of our lives, especially your children. That even in the midst of sorrow, knowing that God will one day bring joy when our kids rise to the glory that God has for them. Some others, I challenge you to pray. 
I challenge you to pray, and I challenge you to stand upon this verse. I know you've heard it before, but I want to mention it now. I know for some of you, I've talked to some people, not just here, but other places, this verse kind of depresses some people because they feel like it's not happened for them. I want to read it first. Train a child in the way that he should go, and even when he's old, he shall not depart from it. You may wonder and think, where is God in this promise? I need to ask you, where is your belief in this promise? Stand on it. Stand on it. This verse says, when they are old, they shall not depart from it. It takes a long time for us to get old sometimes, doesn't it? If we're training them up, even though in their young days, like the prodigal son, they get the wild hair and leave, or they do what they want, or they, they have no cause or concern for anybody else, especially not you, and how it's breaking your heart, they're not old yet. <laughs> There's still time. God says that it's still time. Mothers, stand on this promise. They came from you. You were the first one to carry them in your body. Now carry them in prayer. And stand on this promise to train a child up in the way they should go. And God has said they shall not depart from it when they're old. There's going to be maybe some times of wandering. Times of confusion. Times of trying to figure out this life but they'll never forget what you taught them. Just talking to somebody today, the last thing we remember is the first thing we heard. Train them up. Show them. Give them an example of your life. Give them an example of faith. And even when they're old, they shall not depart from it. Stand on this promise. Carry your children in prayer. And if you don't have children, we still have children in the faith. Carry those who God has entrusted around us. Carry them in prayer. Because they need us. We need each other. I want to begin by doing something. And I don't mean to make anyone uncomfortable. But I think it's important. If you're a mother, would you please stand? A hand clap of honor was nice. But the greatest thing we can do now is pray for you. So I would like for you, if you feel comfortable, to reach out your hands toward a mother who's close to you. And for just a moment, just, just say a silent prayer. For just a moment, for these mothers who are around you. Would you do that now? Father, we know that raising children is not easy because you have a lot of children in this world and you have much difficulty with us. You wait for us to come back when we've gone astray. You try to correct us when we've done wrong. Lord, even in the midst of that sorrow, you find joy when there's great success and accomplishment in our lives. You rejoice with us when we are happy. Lord, you cry with us when we are sad. Father, I just pray now that you will impart your heart upon these women. That, Lord, they will be women after your own heart, your own care, and your own concern for all the people of this world. I pray now that you'll give these women strength 
the young ones, Lord, that you will help them as they, they raise up their kids. And the older ladies who are gathered with us who are helping their kids raise kids. They're helping other new mothers along their way. That this would just be a wonderful circle of encouragement. That you would remind them, just as with Mary, there will be sorrow, but there will be joy. Lord, motherhood, as we know from the examples in this world, it's not easy. But it is blessed. So bless these women. Give them the strength they need. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. I'd ask that everybody stand and join us now, please, as the praise team comes to sing this morning. Even though we